This call is being You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, for what will be your Locked On Browns pregame show. Sunday Night Football, 820, MetLife Stadium, Cleveland Browns traveling to New Jersey to face the New York Giants. Your Locked On Browns pregame show is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. Again, it is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd from Sports Illustrated, at underscore Pete Smith underscore Mr. Pete Smith. Uh, we're going to get to a couple of things here. Um, Joe Woods and what's been going on, it's just not sitting right. And we're going to start with this and talk about this defense and about how much turnover there's going to be. Then we're going to get to the New York Giants, the Browns offense versus Giants defense, the Browns defense versus the Giants offense. All this as we take you through on the pregame show for Locked on Browns. Um, Pete, you know, with what the hassle Joe Woods is being given, and it's almost criminal at this point. Defensive line, linebackers, secondary. Pete, just rattle off a list here of names that aren't going to be here because I don't think people realize the drastic amount of turnover that's going to come on the defensive side of the ball. Um, uh, defensive line wise, um, I'm hoping they keep, I'm hoping they keep the top four. I'm hoping, you know, Porter Gustin's fine, uh, to come back and sort of compete. I ultimately hope they, you know, upgrade and then he could potentially be that fifth end. Anyone under that Vincent Taylor, he's gone. Uh, the other, the, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Joe Jackson. He's probably gone. Although they have a weird thing with he, him. He, he's still here. He never actually gets on the field. So maybe they really like him. I don't know. Um, I, the linebackers. Oof. Um, I, I would be, I mean, I think Mac Wilson. It's Phillips and Taki Taki, right? Is there, I mean, maybe Mac Wilson competes over the summer, but it's Phillips and Taki Taki. And that's it. Well, I mean, Mac Wilson will, I, I would assume, will be here in the summer. You know, I assume he will be here in camp. But, you know, I don't see him back in a meaningful role. I could see them, you know, bringing back B.J. Goodson, um, you know, on that same sort of cheap deal. I could see them trying to bring back uh, Malcolm Smith. But if you're, you know, if you're just looking at it, Taki Taki and Jacob Phillips are probably the only guys – that they would have real meaningful plans for in terms of this thing. I think Sione Taki Taki is going to be that sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of sub package run stopper guy. And then they need to find the guy who they, they don't want to have to take off the field. And Phillips at least has a skill set that suggests that's possible. Defensive back wise, um, it really just depends on how they view this in terms of financial. Uh, speculation type terms. If you don't want to pay a ton of money for corners, 
I could totally see them say Terrence Mitchell did enough to play that out of as a corner and they bring him back. Um, I don't know what Kevin Johnson's market's going to be. He's been more than good at what they need him to be. Uh, that could get him more money, in which I doubt they'd want to keep him. If it's reasonable or even less than they paid him this year, then I could totally see them bring him back. But it's uh, Denzel Ward will be here. Greedy Williams will be here. Uh, I don't know if they know what Greedy Williams is, but there's you know he's he's sort of a you can't count on him, but he's also sort of a free look type player. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's you know you can't bet on him uh, being. You can't say well he's going to be a starter next year. That's that's not realistic. Um, MJ Stewart's. I I don't. There's no chance he's going to be back. Uh, Yeah, I I mean safety. Well, safeties, I mean, it's it's Ronnie Harrison, it's Grant Delpit. Sheldrick Redwine is still under contract, so I'm sure he'll be here in the summer. But Sandejo won't be here. I would be – I could see a world where Carl Joseph comes back, but it would have to be as that slot linebacker type, and they haven't really embraced him, so I don't really see much point. He's been a reasonable enough fill-in guy, but – I don't think you want to pay that position, you know, a backup safety $3 million if that's all he's going to be. So to that point, it's really just Harrison, uh, Delpit and Redwine. And, you know, maybe they extend sort of an invitation type thing to, to Tedrick Thompson, if he's still around that type of thing. But I mean, you're, you, to me, I, I, I have looked at this as saying the Browns, unless they, you know, make some resignings, they're going to need two corners. They're going to need at least two safeties. And depending on how they approach the defensive line, I wrote about this. I I really do think they're better off keeping as many of these guys as possible, uh, which really focuses on Vernon and Ogunjobi. I really hope they re-sign Vernon for another year or two, and I hope they re-sign Larry Ogunjobi. Um, One, Vernon has been great. Yeah, you're going to get Billings back, unless there's some reason – you know, he's not comfortable with it. Um, I think Larry Ogunjobi should be resigned as a three that can pass rush as a one. Um, that Jordan Elliott moves to more of a nose. Um, but my, my theory on this whole thing is that the draft for defensive tackles is awful. Uh, the kid from Iowa is fantastic, but you get past that. I mean, even the guys who were supposed to be good this year. Like Marvin Wilson had a disaster. I knew it. <laughs> he was disastrous this year, uh, and, and he's never made it through a season healthy. Uh, and he's he had, never met, and he's never made a production meter either. So, yeah, and what, like I know PFF loves his first two seasons. Like he he was great from their standpoint. And there's certainly an argument to be made, and he certainly fits where I think the Browns want to go from a defensive tackle standpoint. But again, and I think what's going to happen is this is where the pandemic's really going to hit the NFL. You have a bad defensive tackle class combined with the fact that you have all these schools that didn't play at all. And a school like UConn didn't play and they have a really, really impressive uh, nose that would have been back for his junior year this year. I don't know what he's going to do, but he he was pretty impressive as a sophomore. Uh, So you've got, a weaker field that is now thinned down. And I think what's going to end up happening is that 
teams are going to overpay a smaller field of, of defensive tackles and free agency. And you already saw this with Grover Stewart. I think the Colts were really smart on that because I think yep. he actually could have gotten more money. Um, and so I think teams are going to pay more for some of these free agents. And I don't think the Browns want to get in a bidding fight for some of these guys. Um, I, I honestly think Sheldon Richardson's contract is going to look reasonable next year. Like it's not awful. He's, he's not worth $13 million, which is not the end of the world, but I, I think it's going to look a lot better next year with some of these other contracts that come out. Um, that's my theory on this. So, and, and I think Ogunjobi has gotten better being healthy has helped, but I think if you play him as a three in a rotation with Sheldon Richardson, that can shift over to a one as a pass rusher. I think that makes them better. My, the other point with my whole defensive tackle belief is that I don't think the Browns want to shuffle in a bunch of rookies because Sheldon Richardson's contract ends the following year. He will be 31. I don't expect, maybe they extend him another year. I tend to doubt it. Uh, but Ogan Joby's 26. They just got in Jordan Elliott. If this draft year sucks, it's not going to be, a, you, you want to go fishing there. So yeah. And with Olivier Vernon, he's been great. And and I and I really hope the Browns resign him with the mindset of this eliminates us from having to reach or you know go go get a defensive end early. Now, if one's sitting there in the first round and they love him, they can take him and have a really dynamic front of Garrett, Vernon, Claiborne, and whoever the rookie might be. But it could also be a guy that's in the second or third round. And you can let them develop at their own pace. You have a guy in Olivier Vernon who's great, uh, at least when he's healthy, he's been great. And then you can sort of work that guy up. And if he explodes on the scene, great. If he doesn't, you have that sort of wiggle room. And then linebacker, somehow, someway, they've got to find a dude that can play uh, or, or either one dude or a couple guys who can sort of piecemeal that every down linebacker because, uh, uh, you know, Unless we're all wrong, despite the fact Joe Woods talked about this and he, you know, he's going to come out and basically be like, yeah, I kind of said that, but I didn't actually – I don't think we're going to do that. They, they, they do want three safeties on the field. Certainly that would have been a really good strategy against the Ravens to have three good safeties. I think it would be a really good strategy if uh, Greg Cook – and by, I mean Joe Burrow uh, – comes back in five years and is good – and healthy that he's got that mobility <laughs> and you're going to want that flexibility and that speed. So uh, the, I think the defense will look dramatically different over the course of, of this off season. But then if you need a second linebacker on the field or, or you play a team like you did with the Titans uh, or something like that, that's what Taki Taki's there to do. Get them as his billings, you know, uh, sub package run stopping front. Go kill the run, get off the field. We can put Jordan Elliott in next to him if we want to go a big man package and just shut it down and then put Richardson and, again, Ogan Joby, in my view, uh, in there and then rush the passer with a really dynamic front. I think that's sort of the best plan of attack. But regardless of how they do it, that is no less than about five players or, or six players that they either have to make decisions on um, re-signing or they just need, and I think it's going to be closer to just need six guys. 
Uh, I think it's probably a little bit more than that when you're talking, if you're going to split the roster up and you figure, you know what, uh, 25 to 25, uh, you know, th- your, your three special teamers between your kicker, punter, and your long snapper. Uh, I, I'm going to put the number higher, probably eight to 10. There's going to be a lot of new faces on this defense right now. Um, and anyone trying to give Joe Woods a hard time, he's not playing with what he needs. Um, and everybody kind of forgets, you know, what he was doing, you know, for three to four weeks where he was putting together some nice, nice efforts and obviously the effort for the first 30 minutes down in Nashville against the Titans. Um, <clears throat> I understand it's a not for long theory uh, with the NFL. But uh, if you take away again for Monday night was Joe Woods. Sorry, guys. I'm just not having it. Just can't have it. We're going to flip it up here in a second. We're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I'm sorry, the offensive side of the ball versus the Giants defense. Obviously, some news on that today, which, of course, we will get to as we continue on your pregame Locked on Browns. This holiday season, we're encouraging everyone to shop small and support local businesses. In that spirit, we want to tell you about Pete Smith's favorite shop for Cleveland-themed fan merchandise. If you're looking for a great gift for your favorite Cleveland fans, look no further than Beleza and Style. Uh, as a shop name, uh, I'm sorry, a shop made for Cleveland fans by a Cleveland fan. Beleza and Style offers a variety of t-shirts, crewnecks, masks, and more. Whether you're searching for Browns, Cavs, or Indians gifts, I'm sorry, Cleveland baseball team gifts, Beleza and Style has got you covered. And don't forget, anytime the Browns win, Beleza and Style has a 20% off your purchase for 24 hours after the victory when you use the promo code BROWNS. That's 20% off for 24 hours with promo code Browns. For more information or to check out the shop, follow them on Twitter, Beleza and Style, and Instagram at Beleza and Style. Peter, Monday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night, Browns offense traveling to MetLife. Uh, the Giants defense, I, I just go from, you know, there's been times where they'd look good against Seattle. Then you come home, you play Arizona. They, you know, they fought hard, uh, but just too many leaks. And eventually, you know, the game got out of hand. Of course, the offense did nothing to help it. Um, had a hard time handling Kenyon Drake, handling Chase Edmonds. Um, it, the offensive line for the Cavs, I mean, the Cardinals kind of pushed some people around. And I, I just look at what you're coming in here with. Uh, yes, Wyatt Teller is going to be out again, and it's tough. It really is tough because, you know, as great as Wyatt Teller's been, uh, this is now the, you know, third instance this season where, you know, he's going to miss a little time or, you know, he's had been put on the COVID list. So it's just – it's difficult from that respect, and he's been fantastic. Chris Hubbard is is shown to be a great swing guy to this point. Um, But then I look at, you know, you're bringing in Nick Chubb, you're bringing in Kareem Hunt, um, and that's before we get to the quarterback, but that's before we get to the way this passing game is working right now. I just don't see how this Cleveland Browns team, Pete, doesn't put up a decent amount of points and just doesn't kind of have their way going up and down the field. And the Giants, of course, should be missing their top corner as well. Well, the Giants' defense has been good. Um, They have a couple of really nice players that have emerged. Um, Certainly losing their top corner is a big, big deal because their depth is shit. Um, They don't have anybody – behind that um so they they go from arguably one of the top three players on their defense to guys who are bad or haven't played um so that's certainly a big deal for them their defensive line is solid um 
I, I, I don't know if that's going to mean a whole lot against the Browns other than you do worry a little bit about Chris Hubbard against potentially some power guys. Um, that's never been, you know, that's never been a good situation for him. Nope. Um, so that could be a potential issue. Other than that, I mean, you know, other than some rookie mistakes by Jared Rick Wills, I mean, the line has just been really solid. So I don't perceive that being too much of a problem. And then you've got guys like Jabril Preppers, who ironically is playing the exact role that would fit beautifully within the Browns now uh, for the Giants. Uh, he, he's doing a lot of what he did at Michigan, which is he plays the run real well, and he's and he's been a really good pass rusher, which is what the Browns really need in that that third safety spot. Um, you know, they're fine. The problem is the Giants haven't won a game where they've given up more than 20 points. That's really tough when the Browns are averaging 26.8 for the season and they're, they've scored 83 in their last eight quarters. Um, so, I mean, that's a very tall order for a Giants team that needs this game to sort of stay in, in, in contention with the with Washington. You know, they're obviously going to have uh, Haskins back in there, which I'm, which actually – is the most interested I've been in a Washington game since they played the Browns week three. Uh, so I think the giants are, are, are a really bad situation matchups wise. I think their strengths with, with, with uh, Bradbury out don't help them against the Browns. I, I mean, certainly you want to have a, a, a good defensive line is the difference between, you know, getting boat raced or not uh, by this Browns running game. But, I think between the way Baker Mayfield is playing uh, and the, and the Browns are protecting and Kevin Stefanski's sort of ability to manipulate defenses into the looks he wants. I, I I think whatever the giants have been able to do, isn't going to be near enough. Again, I I just don't see it. The way this Browns offense has the, this, the perfect pairing right now uh, of the passing game with the run game. Uh, Kaderil Hodge, they say, you know, they think he might be back. They think Austin Hooper might back, uh, might be back. Uh, you know, Hodge, you know, he, he can take it or leave it as to whether or not it's going to make that much of a difference. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is obviously finding his way here a little bit and growing as a six-round pick. And, you know, kudos to him, kudos to the organization. Uh, again, you know, yes, just because he had a name, just because he went to a big, a power five school in Michigan, he was still a six-round pick. You bring him around slowly. You want to make sure there's certain things he can do on the offense side of the ball, not the special teams. Um, and he's proven that. Uh, and, you know, if he can get out there and he can block and give that look, you know, when you go to things like 13 personnel, which obviously led to the big 75-yard touchdown against Tennessee Titans, you know, and he comes in as your uber athlete. Not that Cardero Hodge isn't, you know, as well. I mean, Cardero Hodge at his pro day ran a 4-3-8. So there's definitely some juice in those legs. And those two guys bring something that Higgins and Landry don't at the wide receiver position. They bring size, got a little bit more physicality, and obviously, you know, both guys just flat out run faster. <clears throat> no way around on that. Then you get into Pete, you know, uh, you know, working Nick Chubb in the passing game more. Kareem is obviously always going to be a threat there. Um, then, you know, if you're going to get Austin Hooper back, it, it gives you, you know, the range here. Uh, with within your tight end unit, as far as what you can do with you know throwing the ball around to anybody in the yard, and you know Baker, who's just you know he's just off the charts right now. He's feeling it. He's hot. He's seeing things before they develop, 
which just means the ball gets out of his hands even faster. I mean, I I hate to be in this position where I I just don't see this as being a very, very close game. I I just don't see any way around it, even though, you know, you're missing Wyatt Teller um, and, you know, Hubbard against, you know, some of these big interior guys, whether it's Leonard Williams, whether, whether it's Dalvin Tomlinson, whether it's a Dexter Lawrence, yes, it's not the best of matchups. Um, but I, and I think, you know, coach Stefanski is smart enough to realize that. Um, but you get the opportunity where these cutback lanes could set up themselves. These guys, you know, can get past Hubbard. That's fine. You know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, you know, and they kind of seem to do a really good job with it where they don't go to the cutback lanes right away. Um, but if these guys can essentially create the cutback lanes by you know getting through or getting around Hubbard, this is what this offense is trying to set up anyway. Yeah, it's just the way they've sort of added things to the offense on a weekly basis that seems to just frustrate whatever opponent they have. Um, It just makes it difficult. In some ways, whatever you prepare for becomes that much more difficult because you haven't (laughs) seen the point to do it yet. Now, you know, they're they're not out of things they can add, but, you know, they're sort of limited on that front. But, I mean, just – Against the Ravens, they, you know, they, their receivers weren't able to get separation early or weren't making plays early, so they just found a way to isolate Kareem Hunt. I mean, they they have options on ways to do that. You know, they're they're getting broader and more inclusive in their screen game, and obviously Baker Mayfield is playing at a really high level, um, so it becomes more difficult. So I mean, whatever you know, this offense look like in say week four or week five uh, is sort of unrecognizable to what you're seeing now, just because the quarterback play is at such a a higher level that it sort of makes it that much more complicated. I mean, if you take away the run game, uh, you now have to be able to stop him. Uh, The last couple of weeks that has not happened. uh, and, And there's little reason to think that will, stop against the Giants yeah against the Ravens obviously he did a pretty good job at avoiding pressure uh and dealing with pressure um certainly there's some plays that they'd like back but just overall you know the, the Ravens are sub- significantly better defense than the the Giants and they put up 42 so maybe there's a way <laughs> to kind of sort of slow them down that doesn't involve just maiming him uh, but uh, to this point, I, I, I don't really see it. It's, it, it, I mean, it. it's a recipe for disaster for the Giants. And, you know, look, they have a way, and we'll get to this here, what they think they want to do with the quarterback, quarterback position. Uh, the question is going to be whether or not they can actually do it. Um, they would rather play Daniel Jones. We'll get to all that here in a minute. Just continuing to roll on through your Lockdown Browns pregame show with Jeff Lloyd and Pete Smith. We'll continue with Small Business Fridays, um, Zabo Apparel, another company I just absolutely love, as I do with Jenna and Velez and Style. Um, just everybody here just you know, working in their own way, you know, trying to make a little scratch here. And uh, Brian and his store in Vermilion, as everybody knows, you know, there is the store. Uh, Brian is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, again, messaging with him Monday night uh, at the game, you know, freezing his butt off, but loving every damn second of it. Truly, truly, you know, passionate about this team, truly passionate about this product. And he puts out a fantastic product. Um, and it comes from the heart. 
It comes from the fact that he, you know, truly cares about this team uh, through the good times and certainly, you know, way through the bad times. Uh, so whether it, you know, you're looking for it, ZaboApparel.com, again, the store in Vermilion, or through Twitter, Instagram, Zabo Apparel, go ahead and check it out. Um, again, you know, huge fan. There's a lot of Zabo Apparel in my house. Love the product. Uh, soft, comfortable, holds up to a wash, lasts long. It's not something that, you know, like I said, you're going to find, you know, after the second time you washed it, you're missing the L, you're missing the V from Cleveland. It's just not the product, a product that Brian Zabo puts out through Zabo Apparel. Beat the defensive side of the ball, um, whether it's Daniel Jones, whether it's old friend Colt McCoy, um, if it's Daniel Jones, you know, and here's the problem, his injuries are on both legs. Uh, he's got a bad ankle on one side. He's got a hamstring on the other. He probably should not have been out there uh, the previous Sunday. Um, they ended up having to put Colt McCoy in to close it out because, you know, Daniel Jones couldn't move anymore. Uh, Colt McCoy. It, you know, great guy, uh, perfect to have in that role to mentor a young quarterback. You know, that's how you travel around the league and you spend time um, and you continue to get paid in this league. Um, not a guy you're going to count on to win a game anymore. And that offensive line, uh, for whatever it is, and rotating players, which is just bonkers and BS crazy at this point, to be rotating guys on the offensive line. Um it just doesn't work. It doesn't create cohesion. It doesn't create confidence. It doesn't create communication. Just it, it brings more issues than it does assistance. And Pete, watching Hassan Reddick and Hassan Reddick, if you're not doing anything next season, uh, we can find a spot for you over here in Cleveland. Um, but watching him torture every tackle the New York Giants had on his way to five sacks, Pete, the only thing I sat there thinking watching that live last Sunday was, what are you going to do when Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett come to town? Uh, when you have a quarterback in Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy who have or have had ball security issues, and you're talking about a passing game where they, they, they don't force the ball down the field. I mean, everything they try to do is between like the five to 10 yard range, and they're not really good at that. Again, and now on the defensive side of the ball, even you know as much as I think the Browns are lacking in some aspects, I just don't know where the offense and the points come from, from this Giants offense, because this defensive line, unless the you know Giants come out and go freaking wishbone and, uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you know, God bless him. I mean, getting an opportunity here to maybe get himself back up the coaching tree, but this is not a good matchup in any way whatsoever. Well, especially with Denzel Ward possibly being back. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Giants' offense isn't a good matchup against anyone. They don't score points. And, again, they haven't won a game where they've let the opponent score more than 20, and part of that is because their offense doesn't score more than about 23 in their best outing. Um, Colt McCoy is better at protecting the football, a uh, little more efficient, works with what they do in terms of he doesn't put them in bad situations. Uh it, with regard to their defense, you know, he doesn't make a, a terrible mistake that's going to suddenly put their defense on a short field. Daniel Jones has more ability, but he's also far more uh, willing to take risks. And with Daniel Jones, they're usually bad. Um, I, I, Daniel Jones might be the most confounding quarterback simply because there seems to be all these people who are desperate to tell tell you that Daniel Jones is, like, good. And some of these are the same people who tell you Baker Mayfield is bad. 
and yet Baker Mayfield has uh, as many passing touchdowns or total touchdowns. He has nine total touchdowns over his past three games. Uh, Daniel Jones has eight for the season. Um, so you add to that the fact that they have line issues. I think Andrew Andrew Thomas is getting a lot better, but I think he got boned on the coaching front. Um, they're, they don't have a full line yet between injuries and just their lack of addressing it. So that's a huge issue. Um, we were all cheated out of Miles Garrett against the Philadelphia Eagles, where I think Derek Thomas's record was in danger. Uh, I don't know if he can quite do that this week, but there should be some opportunities there. Uh, and then receiver, you know, their receivers, Evan Ingram is suddenly questionable. Uh, you know, he's one of the playmakers that they, they do have you know, team bereft of really anything. Um, they don't really have guys that sort of threaten all that much. And, you know, they're, they're all basically waiting for Saquon Barkley to come back next year. And I don't know if that makes them all that much better either. They've just got a lot to deal with on that side of the ball. And, and I think it obviously starts with their quarterback, but even if they had a, a good one, they're not getting much help. And, the Browns defense for as bad as it is, and it is, um, they should still be able to do enough. And it could potentially turn into a game like Washington where, you know, with Haskins, where they end up causing something like five takeaways just because of the amount of different things they can throw at them, uh, especially if it's Daniel Jones. If it's Colt McCoy, I think it'll be harder. I also think it'll be probably a little more difficult to sack him as much. Um you know, he he's a guy who's always he, when he was with the Browns, he, he would check down his almost immediately. Uh, he's not going to sit there and hold the ball and just get whacked over and over again. So from that standpoint, the Browns would be rooting for for Daniel Jones to play. Uh, having said that, Colt McCoy, if they can pressure him, if they can cover a little while, they can probably force a lot more punts just because he's trying to get the ball out quickly, and then they just have to tackle the pass. But Overall, again, this is the thing. The Giants have that four-game winning streak. They didn't give up more than 20. They barely scored more than, more than 20. It just happened to be enough that they've got this string of wins. But they still suck, uh, and people can argue all they want. The Giants are terrible. Uh, so, I, again, it, maybe there's some miraculous thing. I actually do think Freddie Kitchens is a bigger problem than anyone wants to admit, uh, only because – you know, he was good with the Browns in 2018 when he had oversight. He has oversight. He's not making it up as he goes along because presumably Joe Judge is going to be in his ear telling him to knock that crap off or he's calling plays they didn't practice. Um, so that actually might help him, and he could be better from that standpoint. And he is willing to take some of those risks in terms of trick plays. And in 2018, everybody loved that uh, because they were working and they, they found some ways to sort of create offense. I, I think in that sense, Jason Garrett is far more predictable and Freddie Kitchens does present a slightly bigger problem. Ultimately, it just comes back to the same thing. They just don't have the horses to do it, and that's really the problem. But, you know, I, people are wanting to laugh at Freddie Kitchens, which is fine. I could care less. I just don't – I don't think it, like, immediately hands the bronze a win. I actually think he could be a, a little bit of a wild card from that standpoint. Well, I think he comes in here a little bit like a wounded animal. And obviously there's going to be the payback factor. There's going to be the, you know, I know some of these guys. I know, you know, 
I know if we run a tight end leak on some play action to the left and we leak a tight end out to the right, Mac Wilson may fall, will fall for it, and perhaps there'll be a tight end wide open. Um, you know, he will know the defensive line. He will know well, he'll know the linebackers, is, you know, they're very obviously unpredictable in their play. Um, getting Denzel back could be huge. Um, but you look at this wide receiver group, you know, Golden Tate, you know, yeah, we can all talk about yesteryear. I mean, he's kind of like the Al Bundy uh, right now, you know, scored four touchdowns in the high school championship, yada, yada, yada. Golden Tate isn't a player anymore. Uh, Darius Slayton, I think there's a player inside that body. I just don't know if the Brian Brown, I mean, the Giants have the quarterback to have that player show up here. Um, Sterling Shepard, back in the day, we all love the route running ability. Um, but it's great. You can run a great route. But again, do you have a quarterback that can, you know, read and diagnose and follow along with you as you're being a great route runner? There's just, there's just not much juice to this offense whatsoever. And again, I, I just, I just don't see how this defensive line doesn't have a day. And it's not no disrespect to the Cardinals. It's no disrespect to, you know, Golden. It's no disrespect to Hassan Reddick. But we're talking an up in class here, up in weight class here this week with you know some with the you know, pass rush that the Browns are going to bring, um, you know, Galman, uh, Dion Lewis, Alfred Morris. I mean, none of these guys at the running back position. You know, Morris was a you know a decent back in the day with good production. Dion Lewis, you know, had juice as one of them. You know, juke receiving backs who was you know quicker than a hiccup back in the day, but he's not really that guy anymore. Gallon, he's a nice guy to have in a backfield. I, I just, and I, I think with the Giants, where they are now, you know, you know, drafting tenth, they're just in the worst possible position. But this is just a franchise. I, I, I just don't know where they go. They're, not, I don't see them as any threat whatsoever Sunday night. You know, and I think Freddie, as much as I think Freddie could be geared up and ready to go with this, I also think. Freddie could Freddie this and, you know, get, you know, kind of like, you know, you tell your kid, here's all your Halloween candy, you know, have three or four pieces, don't choke on it. And meanwhile, Freddie's going to eat the whole bag and just, you know, end up doing more damage than good. He's certainly shown that capacity. Uh, there's no question about it. We uh, saw it firsthand. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, though. He actually got a He got a job based on play calling. I mean, that's 100 percent. John Dorsey cited was it magic or something some of the effects of play calling something that he saw in freddie kitchens was a big factor in his hiring him so clearly there's some and we saw it. he clearly has some ability he he, he will uh i think the, if once if he gets momentum going that's when he's good but like if once he hits that first point of adversity that's when, like, the wheels in his head start spinning almost against each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, they don't have enough talent. He can drop whatever he wants. That's the issue. I mean, if they want to put Colt McCoy and Daniel Jones on the field at the same time, they can go nuts. Uh, but uh, there's just not enough there. Um, they had their nice little run. They lost last week. I fully expect they will lose this week. And I don't know what other dregs they run into. Um before they go to Washington, but I expect uh, they're going to just, you know, coach of the year. Joe Judge um, is probably going to finish somewhere in the neighborhood of six and 10. That would be, you know, 
I think that would be their best possibility. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, I don't think the problem is there. I think the problem is essentially upstairs um, with uh, Mr. Gettleman. Pete, confidence factor headed into Sunday, six-point spread, bet line, uh, betonline.ag, six-point spread. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, I said this the other day with Ward coming back, with them losing Bradbury, I don't care about these side stories put into this with Freddie and this, that, and the other thing, because, you know, it may be something that Freddie Kitchens is going to run with. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to be, you know, change anything within the Browns locker room. And I truly believe everyone has bought into this. It is one and all mantra. It's this week, not last week. Doesn't matter. Next week. Doesn't matter. It is all about the task at hand and, if anything, maybe with Freddie calling the plays, that may help the Browns even more where they can sit down with these guys and say, look, don't lose your cool. Um, stay disciplined. Nothing's changed here. This is what our task is to walk in, win a game. But Pete, I, I just I don't see any way that this isn't, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 points. And, you know, honestly, by the time we're in the fourth quarter, it's just, all right, well, let's just run the ball a few more times and the defense still can't stop it. They've tapped out. It's over. I mean, to me, this has all, all the makings of like a 31 to 10 ball game. Well, I'm confident the Browns will win. However, I'm nowhere near as confident as you are in terms of deficit. Uh, This team should have, you know, uh, games I had no doubt they were going to win in Philadelphia and Jacksonville and they beat the Jags by two and they beat Philadelphia by what? Eight, six, somewhere in that neighborhood. They don't finish like that. They don't have that thing. They were up. Uh, what, what was it? 35 to seven in the, or 42 to seven in the, in the half against the Titans and gagged it. You know, their defense is just that bad. Uh, I mean, the, t- the Giants are bad enough. Again, they don't have the real capacity to score that many points, so there's certainly a reason to believe they will blow it up, blow them out. I think the Browns will win, but they just uh, – I don't know what the point spread is, but uh, chances are I would – What is it? Six. I would bet the Browns, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how if I'd feel great about it just because of their defense and, and the way they give up leads. They should – it's a team they should beat by three scores. There's no question. Uh but they just don't have the defense to put them away. I mean, maybe this will be the, you know, a body bag type game where they just freaking kill everybody who's behind center, um, you know, in, in, in that garbage type time scenario. The the best thing that I think could happen in that, in that deal would be if they can get up like that and they can take, you know, Denzel Ward and a Kadero Hodge and, and uh, some of these other guys out uh, to just continue to get them rehabbing um, and, and, continue them it's all about week 17 at that point yes well you know know, at the very least not you know even if they're not gonna look just not making anything worse uh just avoiding that risk so that's the best reason They, they 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 could use the rest from that standpoint in terms of just getting some of those guys healthier yeah, again, this is just where I'm at. I, I think this is an easy one. Um, and as much as, you know, when they first flexed it, you know, the Giants were playing a little better, had just beaten Seattle, and then they go and lay an egg on Sunday, and then all these fun storylines. 
and Coach Stefanski beat out Joe Judge for the freshman quarterback job back in the day. Um, because you know, you're gonna worry about something that happened to you 24 years ago. I'm sure that's where all these guys are at. Um, if they just come in and they play, play clean football, they continue the trend of the way this offense has played the last few weeks. The defense is it's going to be a much easier effort um, you know, than Baltimore, who was like a wounded animal and was a, you know, a, a tough matchup to begin with. And they fought like hell uh, to persevere, which they did. I, I just don't see it how it happens with this game anyway whatsoever. This has been your post-game Locked On Browns episode. He is Pete Smith, uh, part of Browns Digest through SI.com. Make sure you're checking everything out on SI. Make sure you're following Browns Digest. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The show itself at Locked On Browns. Always a follow-back account. DMs are open, as everybody knows. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ. I'm sorry, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Ideas, questions. You know, I understand so many people don't like the Twitter machine, and God knows I don't blame you. Um, so questions you got, you know, go ahead and send them over there. I got called a you know a putz today for pointing out because somebody tries to make a strong point to me. You know, well, the coverage on the Mark Andrews touchdown on Monday night was all Joe Woods' fault. Well, I mean, if you're going to go to that length, at least understand that Mark Andrews didn't catch a touchdown pass on Monday night. For God's sakes, good Lord. Uh, just infuriating, annoying. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe to Lockdown Browns. Leave that five-star rating. Leave that written review. Please and thank you, everybody. Looking forward to the game Sunday night, obviously. Uh, Pete and I will hit the record button as soon as we hit the final whistle. And with that, this has been your week on Locked on Browns. This has been six episodes. I just continue to try to give you guys the best daily coverage possible that we can. Um, so continue to be along for the ride. Uh, I appreciate you all. Um, you know, for as much time as you guys put in to listen to this, we try to give you guys the best product we possibly can, which is why we wait this long in the week to give you your pregame show so we can get all our ducks in a row and give you guys the best possible information um, behind our takes that we can. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.